This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. You're listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 3, Episode 75. Hey everyone, it's Andy. Uh, James, my lovely co-host, is on vacation on Lake Ontario. He's sending me pictures. It's beautiful. The internet up there is a little spotty at the moment. So we said, you know what? We'll take this as a, I said, you enjoy sitting on a back deck with a drink with your newborn, just uh, just taking in you know the beautiful uh, views of Lake Ontario. And I will uh, turn it to the family here at the Hockey Podcast Network, and I'm sure there's I could find someone to jump on. And lo and behold, just right across the Hudson River, Neil Villapiano, host of Devil's State of Mind podcast, uh, was nice enough to come on and talk free NHL free agency with me. So I'm going to start this podcast the way James always starts with me. Neil, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Andrew. It's uh, it's it's definitely been a while since the last time you and I uh, you know spoke on a podcast and everything, but uh, you know I'm doing well podcast is really, really growing. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what the devils are going to do over the next couple of weeks with the draft, free agency, potential trades and things like that. And, uh, really just excited to get into the next season, which, you know, it's going to be coming up very, very quickly. I know we're into, uh, we're into early July, but it's going to be here quicker than, uh, I'm sure any of us will expect. But, uh, other than that, I'm doing very well, keeping busy with, uh, with work and other things and, you know, just taking everything day by day. Well, it's awesome to hear that. And I did kind of want to start by asking you a general question, which is just a, a general feeling I had. Mm-hmm. And it might, this might only, and honestly, I think you're a good person to ask. I might feel this way just because the Rangers uh, were eliminated in the ECF, uh, I guess, three to four weeks ago now at this point now. Right. But it does it feel to you like the second the cup final was over, the free agency, the NHL offseason, I felt like we started getting so many rumors just drop almost a It usually feels like there's a little bit of a hangover period where they kind of bask and, Oh my God, hockey's finally over. Now we can all, <laughs> everyone can take it at least a, a week or two weeks. Hell, sometimes even three weeks and just take a breath, let, let everything decompress from the season and then get to work. But I feel like we had insiders dropping hot rumors, literally the second, uh, you know, game six was over. Do you, did you get that sense as well? Or am I just crazy here? No, it was it was certainly interesting this year, uh, unlike a lot of years where, like you said, we're, we're getting rumors left and right in the middle of the playoffs. And, you know, a lot of us are focusing, um, even if you're not a fan of any of the teams involved, you're, you're focused a lot more on the playoffs and things like that. But it, it was crazy how it seemed like a lot of the, you know, analysts and things like that and reporters, it almost seemed like they were already focusing on next season and talking about what teams uh, are interested in doing and what they may do and what they're, you know, looking to try to add to their teams. And I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know, whenever your season ends, whether it's in the, you know, you don't make the playoffs or, you know, you get knocked down the first round or whatever, you know, the second that your season is over, the next season is already on your mind. You're already thinking about what you want to do going into next year. And, uh, you know, those things are going to happen. And this was going to be, and this is a very interesting off season because first and foremost, the one thing that uh, people haven't talked about enough is that the salary cap did go up. And I think that, you know, the first time in a couple of years, you know, since, you know, pre COVID uh, the salary cap went up and it's going to go up even more going into next off season in 2023. So I think that was a big sticking point to realize that, you know what, although the salary cap is going up, there's going to be teams with some very enticing players that are going to be looking to move or try to acquire and things like that. And, you know, Kevin Fiala was a name that constantly was brought up even before the playoffs started because we all knew that, um, you know, the buyouts, uh, the buyout penalties that uh, Minnesota decided to go with with regards to buying out both Zach Parise and Ryan Suter would uh, would start to take effect going into this season and obviously would create some problems with regards to how they're going to, you know, be competitive when knowing that they have to shed a decent amount of salary. And, you know, you saw what um, what Minnesota did last week with trading uh, Fiala to L.A. for a first and really a second round prospect. Um, and then you have just other rumors. I mean, the David Pasternak one came as more of a shock than anything else, um, especially, again, in the middle of the playoffs. So it just, you know, you're you're so focused 
you're so focused on the playoffs that all of a sudden you're getting rumors left and right and you're creating things to talk about. And I mean, for teams like, you know, like the one that I cover, the New Jersey Devils, it, it's good to have those things because it, it's a good talking point. It's good to keep the conversation rolling and, you know, try to talk about things and focusing on next season. And yeah, I would say this year more than any, and especially with the coaching firings and hirings that we've seen over the last, you know, three to four weeks, um, it made for a really, really interesting offseason that hadn't even really begun up until last week. So, yeah, definitely the rumors and rumblings and just reports that were coming out a lot more than what we've seen in the last couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess maybe we can attribute some of that to just the, the age of social media we live in now. Obviously, information will get disseminated faster. But I also do feel like there's a little bit GMs are slowly catching on to i mean it's still is it's still an old boys club but at the same time i think like you would put so eloquently like the second their season's over whether you're in the playoffs or not and hell even if your team is in the playoffs you are always looking forward and even yes the cap's finally going up but you, it, it's still going to be tight for a lot of teams so uh, you definitely know that some of these teams realize that even if there is slightly more cap than they maybe had thought it's still there's so many teams i feel like coming up next year that are up against it uh and then the, the ones that do it, it's yeah, time is is all their greatest assets. So you had mentioned coaching, and that's something I did want to touch on here first in the fact that we've seen a lot of coaching changes in the last month. Uh, again, I don't know if it's more than usual. It might, it might seem that way. That might be recency bias if you go back to years prior. But uh, just it seems like, especially even in the Metro, I just feel like there's so many new coaches. I mean, what we have uh, Derek Lalonde in Detroit. Um, although, yes, granted, it's the Atlantic. We have uh, Jim Montgomery uh, to where did Jim Montgomery go? He's, he went he, to Boston. He went to Boston. That's right. And but we, we were thinking it might be David Quinn for a while. Obviously, Tortorella is back with the Flyers. <laughs> uh, we we heard that uh, Bob Booner was just let go in in uh, uh, in San Jose. So it's just there's so yeah. many changes, man. It was it's almost Paul Maurice is in Florida. That's right. Paul Maurice is in Florida. Uh, it's and like there's you know. Like I said, I'm almost trying to I, – I pulled up a list to try to keep track, and I close minimize my tab, and I still can't. But that's literally <laughs> how it's been. Every day you have Kevin right. Weeks uh, with the rumors. Of, so, I mean, I think that's the biggest interesting thing I, is uh, I feel that, and I'm going to ask you if you what your thoughts on this, is that it does feel like there the concept has come into where it used to have just coaches, and now you have your ideas of ideas of your – you know, you, your uh, – your starter coaches or your development coaches. And then you have your finishing, uh, your finisher coaches. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Rangers with David, you know, usually you hear something like, Oh, they want a, a fresh voice, a new voice, someone who can communicate with the younger players. Or sometimes you hear like with Winnipeg, a big reason why uh, they just signed. Um, who did they just, sign? <laughs> excuse me, Jesus, this happened two days ago. Who did Winnipeg just, uh, um, coach? I was just, I was actually, I'm actually blanking out on it. I'm blank. Yeah. You know what? Well, I have a smartphone. Why don't I just Winnipeg <laughs> Jets head coach? Because again, it's literally the coaching. Oh yeah, they, they signed Dave, Dave Lowry. Bonus. Oh, Rick, Rick Bonus. That's right Rick from Bonus, Dallas. Yeah, from Dallas. So, yeah. yeah. So, and his experience was a big factor because there's been all these rumors that with it's a it, the 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 older players run that locker room and that they, if it was like a an inexperienced first timer, they'd run him out of town and all this stuff. So, yeah, just it's just fascinating that it seems that. That seems to be the first, uh, you know, piece, uh, piece of uh, tableware that gets put on the table when in the off season. So, I did want to ask you, just with all these head coaching changes, do you think, you know, do you think teams are less content? Is it more? Are we in more of a results orientated NHL than ever before? Because I do feel like so many, just the amount of coaching changes in the last yeah. two seasons alone has been uh, exorbitant. What, what say you, Neil? Well, it's kind of interesting because when you look at it from the devil's perspective, you know, you look at the amount of coaching hirings and firings, and yet, you know, Lindy Ruff remains the head coach of the devils. And and granted, he's on the last year of his contract reportedly. Again, we, we don't have full confirmation, but a lot of things that we've seen, he, he signed a three-year deal when, when he became the head coach of the devils. And, uh, you know, they, they will probably, you know, let him play out the rest of his contract, see where this season goes, because we know how, you know, big this season is you know, for the devils. And then the, the one, the one coaching, I don't want to say firing or anything like that, that I, I didn't really approve of was not necessarily that the Panthers hired 
um, Paul Maurice, but the fact that Andrew Burnett wasn't even given an opportunity to maybe even interview for the head coaching, the full-time head coaching job after him being the interim head coach for the Panthers when Joel Quinville stepped down. So, and he's a very interesting commodity because I think that Burnett's going to be looking for a place where maybe he could go as an assistant where there's a chance that he might become the next head coach. And that's where, you know, again, that kind of brings in the Devils again, that maybe bringing in Burnett, who where the Devils do need assistant coaches, maybe bringing him in isn't a bad move because if things go south, he could probably come in and take over the reins to get his interim and maybe become the full head coach or stay on for a year. Maybe we don't bring back Lindy Ruff and he's the head coach, whatever the case may be. But when you look around the NHL and you look at around the hirings and firings and how quickly these things happen, certainly this year, it really does go back to what you said, Andrew, about the fact that it is much more of a, a results-based league where, you know, it's not about what you've done in the past. It's what have you done for me, you know, recently, you know, and uh, I think that there is a thinner line. There's a finer line when it comes to just where, you know, how much time do these coaches really have to kind of get things going? And uh, you look at a lot of the contracts that these coaches have signed, they're three, maybe even four-year deals. They're not long-term deals. It's not like anybody feels fully confident in these coaches 100%. They do feel somewhat confident, but not completely. So they want to give themselves an opportunity where if things don't go well over the next year or two or even three, then they do have the options of firing and then not having to pay a coach long-term and being able to go out and find someone else. And and this year in particular has been crazy with the amount of big names that have come up and been available. I mean, Barry Trotz is still available, but it looks like he may sit out a year. You know, Paul Maurice, we didn't know that he was going to, you know, step down as early as he did in the season. And now he's, um, and now he's basically, you know, going to be the head coach of the Florida Panthers. There's still some other guys out there. There's obviously some young guys as assistants that are, uh, that are going to be available or are certainly available right now. There's still some teams looking to hire head coaches, but yeah, this has really been one of the more intriguing off seasons when it comes to coaches getting hired and fired. And now Bob Bootner being let go so late in the off season, I would say, I mean, now the options are very, very limited. So you kind of wonder where they're going with that. But I think that's more to have to do with the fact that they also are hiring a new general manager and they need to, you know, you know, new general manager, new head coach, things like that. So yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of just decision-making from these organizations that uh, they want these coaches to not only come in and be successful, but be successful right away. And I think that uh, that's why you're seeing so many coaches getting hired and fired so quickly. Yeah, and uh, obviously now, since you know, since the impl- uh, the hard cap uh, was implemented, it's like it just does finally seem that GMs are finally catching on of the. I think, you know, we call it the dreaded middle uh, off mic. You and I were talking about it, but it, in a lot of ways, it's that if you're not, you know, if you're not uh, contending, you, you better be building. So, right. I mean, obviously we say that knowing that there's teams that are content to let it roll, depending on if, where their players are at, at point, you know, their core players are at in the twilight of their careers or, you know, are they younger or developing, but yeah, it, it does really seem that there is, every every aspect of NHL front offices seem to be more proactive than ever before, which, and I think we're seeing that play out now, um, which moves me to my second topic, obviously free agency. Uh, well, now that we're in the off season, we've already seen some movement in uh, the Kevin Fiala trade from the Minnesota wild to the Los Angeles Kings. Obviously a lot of uh, teams were in on players, a player of that caliber, uh, we you'd have to imagine the New Jersey Devils were one of them because there he was <laughs> definitely his name was heard there. So I, I, let's talk about the Devils first, specifically Neil. What uh, what do you think their biggest need is this off season, and what are now with Fiala out of play? Is there a player out there? Do you think that think fits that description, or do you think maybe it's not uh, you know just bringing in high profile free agents is not the way forward for the New Jersey Devils? So I just want to get your thoughts on that. Well, I think the biggest one and something that uh, everybody's been talking about for the last three, four, five, six months is the fact that the Devils need goaltending. I mean, that you saw how the Devils used seven, nearly eight different netminders at some point this season. I've mentioned it before. The Devils started the season with Mackenzie Blackwood and Jonathan Bernier, and they ended the season with John Gillies and Andrew Hammond. And I think that right there shows you how much the goaltending really, really was a problem. It's not the only problem per se. It's more of just the fact that it was something that 
there were a lot of games where the Devils lost, where if we had half-decent goaltending, we would have won, and maybe it would have put the Devils in a better position to try to compete and everything like that. Maybe not still making the playoffs, but not finishing as bad as we finished, being the fifth-worst team point-wise in the NHL. So goaltending is the biggest, biggest thing that the Devils have to improve this offseason, whether it's free agency, whether it's trade, whether it's, you know, trying to rock with Mackenzie Blackwood and maybe one of our young guys. I think that there's a lot of options out there. As you've seen over the last couple of weeks, the Devils are basically rumored for almost every big-name goaltender that could be available, whether that is free agency or trade. And the Devils know that they have to get this right, not only in the short term, but certainly in the long term. Look at the last couple of Stanley Cup champions. Look at Tampa Bay, for example. They have they have their goaltending solidified, especially with number one with Andre Vasilevsky. You look at Colorado this year. They solidified it. They lost Philip Grubauer, which a lot of people criticized them for. But then they acquired Darcy Kemper, who was very, very good for them, and now has the opportunity to get a pretty big contract in his own right. So you know as well as I do, and considering the Devils had arguably the greatest goaltender of all time in Martin Berder, that goaltending is so important, especially when you get in the playoffs, because you know that there's going to be games where your offense is not going to be scoring a whole lot, and it's going to be a very low-scoring, close game, and you need your goaltending to step up. Look at the New York Rangers, for example. The amount of games that they won in the playoffs this year by 2-1, to 3-2, to two, and Igor Shesterkin was the big reason that they were in that position – I think shows it right there. So goaltending is the biggest thing that's going to have to be solidified, fixed, whatever words you want to use. And um, it's going to be after the draft, it's going to be one of the first things, in my opinion, that Devils are going to try to figure out. And uh, obviously they need to sign Jesper Bratt to a long-term deal, which is not as much as I want that to be the first thing done before free agency. I think realistically, because it takes time for these long-term deals, I just think that the Devils are probably going to have to, you know, really work this one out. And, and I do believe a deal will get done. And then as far as adding, you know, other pieces, the Devils offense has already proven that it's going to be very dangerous for a long time. But general manager Tom Fitzgerald has made it clear that the Devils need more. They want more. They want to add a top six scoring winger for Jack Hughes and or Nico Heischer. And Kevin Fiala was kind of the first name that came up when it, when you looked at it from the Devils' perspective because not only was this a guy that could score thirty plus goals and you know be you know with his speed work very well with our system, but he is from Switzerland and is very very good friends with the Devils' captain Nico Heischer, who is also from Switzerland. So it made a lot of sense, and it went up to about the day that Fiala was getting traded that the Devils were the front runners. So when Fiala was not a New Jersey Devil by the end of the day, although we're disappointed, I mentioned this on one of my most recent podcast episodes, that it's not the be-all and end-all. There are a lot of other names out there. We've been rumored for Johnny Gaudreau, who still very well could uh, go to free agency and test the market. Um you know, Phil Forsberg doesn't get a deal done. He's going to be available in free agency. Uh, you know, we heard about David Postnuck a couple weeks ago. And, you know, whether or not those rumor, whether or not that rumor died or not, you know, he will be, you know, a, an unrestricted free agent in 2023. And if the Bruins don't feel like a deal can be made and that, you know, Postnuck is going to definitely test the market, then maybe the Devils could make a deal for a David Postnuck you know, and, you know, sign him to a long-term extension, like a sign-in trade. Uh, you know, JT Miller is an example, but I think JT Miller is not at the same level as a guy like a Pasternak, Johnny Gaudreau, Philip Forsberg, the, you know, this, that, and the other thing. The Devils also do have a lot of, you know, youth and a lot of talent coming up in their farm system as well. Guys like Alexander Holtz, who will certainly looking to try to make the opening day roster next season and really begin his first full year in the National Hockey League. We have other guys in our system that can really, you know, come in and be difference makers on obviously entry level deals, which can be very beneficial to us because it allows us to have more room to maneuver. And then you have guys that you can try to fit in on maybe a bottom six deal. I know the Devils are rumored for guys like Andrew uh, Marchman or um, Valerie Nachushkin, guys that could come in. Uh, even signing a guy like Andre Pilat, who we know will be cheaper than some guys like Johnny Gaudreau or Philip Forsberg, but a guy who has been proven in the playoffs to be super, super clutch. How many times have we seen in the last couple of years where when you needed a big-time goal at a big-time game, it was Andre Pilat 
that would end up being, you know, the guy that would come through. So that's another option. The Devils have a lot of options with regards to that, but they are going to try to get a top level winging uh, winger for Nico Heischer and or Jesper and or uh, Jack Hughes to really, really solidify the top six. And one thing that I should mention to everybody, when you look at it from the devil's perspective, the devils, here are the only players that are going to be under contract going into next season and moving forward. Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, Dougie Hamilton, and potentially Jesper Bratt. I mean, those are the guys who are going to end up being signed long-term. And the Devils have made it clear they are building this team around them. So you have those guys, you know, that are going to be here for the next five, six years. And then it's about piecing together, you know, putting guys, you know, that we feel are going to benefit the most being around those guys and building the team that way. And the Devils will have even more cap space going into the following season, 2023, because the salary cap will once again rise and there will be more contracts that will come off the books. And again, just opportunities left and right. But focusing on the 2022 offseason, it's getting a goal, getting, you know, solidifying the goaltending, getting Jasper Brett signed to a long-term deal, and then finding a top six winger via free agency or trade that is going to be a goal scorer, a guy who has a nose for the goal, and can certainly elevate the game of both Jack Hughes and or Nico Heischer on our top six. Yeah, and it's, you know, the funny thing is that we're see- we're seeing this play out right now. Some of the teams that have been rebuilding for the last few years here looking at the New York Rangers, the LA Kings, uh, the Anaheim Ducks, and now obviously the New Jersey Devils, you have all, you're, you're in the position to draft a lot of high profile young players. You have lots of picks because you're rebuilding, right? But at at a certain, certain point you understand they're not all going to make your team because you can't pay all of them and you have, they don't all fit the timeline. So, you know, we see it in, obviously you have to imagine a team like LA that still has Yes, they get Fiala, but they still have a lot of young pl- players in their system. They, they have one of the best prospect pools in the entire NHL. That it is not totally impossible that an Alex Turcotte gets tricked because they have pointed byfield and Alex Turcotte gets traded for maybe they need some help on the back end more immediately. Right. Or so obviously with the Rangers right now, the, the talk is the endless search for who will replace Andrew Kopp and slash or Ryan Strom. Uh, and is it smarter for the Rangers to finally cash in their young, although they're up against the cap and the other moves will have to be made, or do you cash in on a Nils Lundqvist or uh, a Philip Heedle or hell, even a, a Capo Caco, God forbid, in my instance. But in terms of a player that a bona fide, solidified, you know, top six uh, experienced player who helps a team that just went to the ECF. So that's obviously the, that's more of a, you know, a, a risk reward question because obviously like you had mentioned so aptly before that getting players on their ELC is, is cheaper and it, it's definitely smarter to give you more flexibility down the road. However, their contributions to the lineup might not be as immediately, you know, it, it realized as you one would like right away. So right. I guess in terms of the devils, obviously you imagine players like Holtz and Luke Hughes are off, are off limits because right. obviously you're not going to trade Jack's brother and, and obviously we know Alexander Holtz tore up the AHL, but you know, they do have players like Fabian Zetterlund and, and Shakir Mukahamadoul and, and Nolan foot, you know, some of these guys who might, do you think there's a chance that, that these are the type of players the devils are, are including in their trades? Or do you think they're trying to get, you know, you, like you said, they don't really have too many players, which is a good thing, honestly, going into next year, uh, you know, besides uh, their core players and Dougie that are, you know, uh, that are uh, locked up long-term. So, do you think that's the route they take or do you think they're going to try to be a little bit more sly about it? Are they, or do you think they're going to, I guess my question is in a, in a long rambling way, do you <laughs> think they're going to start cashing in because they know what they want? Or do you think they will continue to maybe be a little bit more pragmatic, maybe try to make low key signings in hopes that they overperform that they can then continue to get assets? What, what say you on that? Yeah, this is kind of a, a hard question to answer because the Devils have not really made it fully obvious what they're trying to do. I think first and foremost, Fitzgerald has made it clear that he wants this Devils team to be competitive for a long time, as you've seen from the long-term deals that Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Dougie Hamilton, guys like that have signed um, and want to be here long-term. So I think the Devils the way that they're going to handle a lot of these situations is this. They're not going to jump the gun on anything. They're kind of 
as as somebody who I've talked to before has put it, they're going to let the game come to them. And what that means is simply that they're not going to necessarily, you know, get get ahead of the line and try to get things done before everything kind of balances itself out. I know that recently in the New York Post, there was an article that came out that reported that the Devils were going to try to jump the gun and acquire Jack Campbell's signing rights and then sign him. And to me personally, I think if you're the Devils with any of these guys, I think you just wait. I think you just allow things to fall. You you allow the chips to fall wherever they may lie. And I know that the Devils want to win. I know that they expect to win. I know that ownership has made it clear that they need to start winning. And this is a very pressure-packed season for both Tom Fitzgerald and Lindy Ruff because they need to start showing results. Probably more from, you know, Lindy Ruff's perspective than Tom Fitzgerald. I think Tom Fitzgerald is here for the long term because I think you can't help but like what uh, Fitzgerald has done building this team. And I think over the next two weeks, you know, we're, we're, we're 10 days away from the start of free agency. I think after two or three days of free agency, Andrew, I think then we'll get a much clearer picture as to what the Devils are looking to do for this season and kind of moving forward. And if we end up striking out on a guy like Johnny Gaudreau or we don't end up getting the big you know, prize free agent like we did the year before, as much as it'll be disappointing, I think we also would then have to look at it logically and say, okay, what then what do the devils are what are the devils trying to do? And then we kind of look at it and say, well, they certainly want to get goaltending fixed, and then they'll get Jesper Brad signed long term. So we'll still be able to do some things that are good. And then you look at it also and say, well, here's another positive. What it, the Devils still have a, a, a decent amount of cap space. They'll have an even more amount of cap space than the following year with some even bigger names like potentially David Pasternak, Patrick Kane that are going to be available in free agency. The Devils then may decide, well, we'll wait until next offseason to really make that big splash because then you'll have another year of guys really taking a step forward and kind of going from there. The reality for me, Andrew, as a, as a fan of this team and as, as somebody who covers them, is that we are all tired of hearing, you know, the future is bright, this, that, and the other thing. We want to start saying that the present is so bright. We want to see this team be competitive. We want to see this team have the opportunity to make a run at trying to get into the playoffs. And I think even if you don't end up getting a big-name free agent, I don't think it's impossible that the Devils still can't make the playoffs. I think that if you add a couple of small pieces here and there, like you mentioned, get the goaltending solidified, I think this is certainly a team that could make a, a surprising run into you know getting into a playoff spot as a seventh or eighth seed, you know, just kind of going from there. I think well, it's very, very possible. So it's really, it's really this, all of these rumors and stuff you're hearing right now is really just, is really just one speculation and two, just based off of what Tom Fitzgerald has said and what he is trying to do. He's made everything available. I think that Alexander Holtz would potentially get moved if you're acquiring a guy like an Alex Debrinkit or a David Poster not going to trade, or somebody like that, I think that he could definitely be moved. But if that's not possible, if that's not something that the Devils are willing to do, then Alexander Holtz is going to be here. Um, there, I, I think almost every single prospect, except maybe Luke Hughes, would probably be available in a trade for the right guy. And the Devils reportedly have a list of guys that they're willing to move for the second overall pick. And they probably do have a list as well of guys that they're willing to move for some of their top prospects. Whether or not anything actually happens um, remains to be seen. And I will say full disclosure that the second overall pick is not going to get moved. Whether it means they're going to get, you know, they're not going to trade it down. They're not going to trade it for a star player because I don't think anybody's going to come up with a deal that's going to blow Tom Fitzgerald away. And I think the Devils will just stay put and draft whoever is available, whether it's Shane Wright, whether it's Slavkovsky or whatever the case may be. But in terms of prospects and things like that, I think it's a wait and see approach. I think free agency is going to be the first kind of, you know, move when it comes to improving the team in the immediate future future that the Devils are going to be looking at. And then I think once the free agency market kind of settles itself out, some of the top guys are off the, off the board and sign with teams wherever they go. I think then you're going to see the Devils probably look more into the trade market to say, so who's really available right now and what could we do to improve the team right, right now? 
The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit your money and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Let's pull out a bit because I do have some questions about the Metro and also mm-hmm. uh, I don't need to get a bunch of angry DMs that I've turned my Rangers podcast into a Devils podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but when I looking at the for so like you said, for the Devils to enter the mix, just and it, listen, it's early because like you said, all these teams are going to make moves. But I, I, want, I do want to get your personal opinion on how do you think at, maybe as it stands today, if everything with you can take whatever projections into account you want, but as it stands today, how do you see the Metro shaking out next season in, in terms of, or, and I can, you can even broaden that to the East if you want, but let's yeah. just for the devils to come into the picture, yep. obviously a team slides out. What, te- what team and slash or teams do you think that is that they would have to edge out to get into the playoffs next season? Well, I think first and foremost, to answer the first part of your question, Andrew, I think what you're seeing from the Metropolitan Division is, is I think you're seeing a passing of the torch, so to speak. In other words, I think you're seeing, you know, the old guard, the teams that we've seen for the last 10, 15 years that have been the dominant teams in the Metropolitan Division are obviously getting older. They're not, you know, they're getting close to the end of their time being super, super successful. And you're seeing other teams like the New York Rangers, the New York Islanders, potentially, um, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes. And obviously you have the New Jersey Devils as well that could be beginning the new wave of that competitiveness and that deepness of talented teams in the Metropolitan Division. And when you look at the Metropolitan Division, if the Devils were to get a top three spot, what team could I see falling out? I'd probably put my money on Pittsburgh because there is a good chance that Evgeny Malkin is on a new team going into next season, which would be pretty devastating for the Penguins. Where he goes, I could not tell you. I have no clue. The Penguins are trying to sign Chris Letang to a long-term deal, which you kind of wonder, is that really logically the right move? Considering where the the age is for some of those guys, like Letang, Malkin, Sidney Crosby, guys like that. They just signed Brian Rust to a long-term deal, which... I like Brian Rust, and I think he's a very, very good player, but I don't think he's worth the money and term that he's getting from Pittsburgh. Yeah. But again, when you're a team that doesn't have a whole lot in your farm system and not a decent amount of draft picks, the only thing you could do is try to continue to win uh, you know, b- before the clock expires, so to speak, on yeah. your um, on your window. And then you have goaltending where Tristan Jari definitely had a better season than he did the year before, but you still have question marks about him. They're trying to re-sign Casey DeSmith. Um, who is not the world's greatest backup goaltender, but they seem to like him pretty well. Um, And, you know, that's a team that could definitely be on the border of being a team that could very well miss the playoffs the next year. Washington Capitals are another team that you could, you could see probably missing the playoffs as well because they're getting up there in age. And while, you know, Alexander Ovechkin, you know, he just turns back the clock and, you know, he doesn't get, he just doesn't age and he continues to play at a high level. What is that about the rest of the team? Yeah. They barely squeaked into the playoffs. I mean, look, they got a hundred points, which is great, but it wasn't even top three in the Metropolitan Division. So well, you know, definitely- you know what, Neil, uh, James and I like to throw games on each other real quick. So I think this might be a perfect opportunity to do that. Let's play a fun little game. Sounds How good. about this? I'm going to throw every team in the Eastern Conference at you. Yep. And very quickly, you're going to tell me, are they going to be better or are they going to be worse? That's question one. And then you're going to say, do they make the playoffs? Yes or no. And Sounds obviously good. you can give a quick sentence afterwards to why you think that is or what, what you think ultimately leads to your, your reasoning. But we're going to quickly run through the Eastern Conference. So are you, you ready? 
I'm ready to go. Here we go. The Florida Panthers, are they better or worse next year? I think they're worse. I think they're worse because first and foremost, you know, I'll just say really quickly, they had an unbelievable regular season, best regular season they've ever had. I don't see how they can do any better than what they did. The only way that they do better is that not only do they make the playoffs, they get past the second round or better yet. How about win a game in the second round instead of getting swept? You know, that's kind of the way I look at it, but they're looking to try to move, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky. How much better is their goaltending going to be next year? If you're having, you know, right play um, the entire year, you know, you know, as uh as your number one goaltender. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely yeah. a big question mark. And yes, you do have Paul Maurice, but you also have a lot of free agents. You have to try to bring back Claude Giroux, Ben Chirot, guys like that. I don't see how they're going to end up getting all those guys. And also Anthony Duclair is reportedly going to be out until the beginning, you know, midway of next season. So right. I, I, I just don't see them doing better. Do I think they make well, the playoffs? Yeah, yes. they make the playoffs. Okay. But are they going to be better than, than this, this past year? No. I think for me, I could see them being worse in the regular season, but having a better postseason. But again, I guess the big question is we have to see how this new system takes to these players because it might lead to less high scoring, but they might be better enough defensively that, you know, Bobrovsky has a good year or hell, Knight just takes over and they can. But yeah, like you said, it'll be very interesting because on paper, it doesn't seem like anything could go better, at least for the regular season than it did this year. And like you said, it's going to be hard missing Duclair, you know, to start the season for them. And honestly, they might be coming over a little bit of a shell shock with how things went. So next team. And again, we'll we'll try to go through these quick just so we can talk about other things. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Are they better next year? Can can I just say that they're going to be the same? (laughs) Yeah, that's a perfectly good. Like how much better could they get? How much worse could they? I mean, they certainly could go worse. I mean, they certainly (laughs) could have a. A really bad year, especially if you know they lose Jack Campbell and maybe the goaltending market what? doesn't play in their favor and things yeah. like that. So it's possible, but I think most likely when you look at it from a regular season standpoint, they're going to be the same. They're going to be one of the top teams, and they're going to make the playoffs. And then it's just about what do they do in the first round. So well, that's that's, the way well, that's my. I'm going to add a third question for them. Do they finally make it out of the first round? No, no, because so. here's my attitude about it. Until proven otherwise, I'm not putting. I'm not putting any confidence in Toronto. I had them losing in seven games to Tampa in the first round and it went exactly the way I thought it was going to go. Everybody thought Tampa Bay was done dead in the water after game one of that series. And they play, you know, Tampa played like champions are supposed to play and Toronto. There was no excuse this time. There was no craziness about losing in the first round. It was just, they just didn't have enough. Yeah. All right. So this is obviously might be the most interesting one for the Atlantic, the Tampa Bay lightning after coming off a law, a heartbreaking loss in the Stanley cup final. Yep. Are they better next year? Are they worse next year? And do they make the playoffs? They are going to be about the same. Um, obviously they, they probably will lose Andre Pilat, which is going to be. And it tough... sounds like they're trying to trade Ryan McDonough too. for. Yeah, and they're trying to get rid of McDonough. So, I mean, they're in a position where it's like, they're, they're going to be losing some of their core that, that have helped win back-to-back Stanley Cups and make three finals in a row. Um, I think they'll be about the same. I still think they're one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. I think they will make the playoffs. And it's simply going to be this. When do when does the, the grind of playing so deep in the playoffs the last three years really take its toll? I think it somewhat took its toll at the end of, you know, the Stanley Cup finals, as we saw. Um, but I think, you know, the next next playoffs is going to be very interesting to see how much longer can Tampa keep up this high level of play before it starts to really take its toll? Yeah. The Boston Bruins. Now we know they're going to have a lot of injuries going into yep. next year. Surgeries. There's all this rumors about yep. David Pasternak. So I think most people right now would say they're most likely going to be worse, even though Patrice Bergeron is rumored to be re-signed, uh, but that hasn't happened yet. There, Although there was a rumor that David Krejci, there could potentially be a return there but we're not sure it would seem very weird to leave for one year and then just come back for no, like, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think you would not to, to answer for you, but I think most people would think they're, they're probably going to be worse next year. I guess the big question is, do they make the playoffs? Well, first and foremost, I do agree. They will be worse. And I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I think that, I think last year was the beginning of the end, to be quite honest with you. I think when you look at where Boston is, um, with some of their injuries, you know, their core is starting to come up there in age, you know, Brad Marchand, how many more years does he have left of playing at a high level? Patrice Bergeron, he, if he signs a one-year deal, I mean, again, what, what exactly do you expect 
from this team. And then you fired, you know, you fired your head coach, which was kind of a shocker to me. I felt like they used him as a scapegoat, which I felt was unfair because it really wasn't his fault that the team was positioned the way they were. It was Don Sweeney who now is signed to an extension. Um, And now they bring in Jim Montgomery, who was a very good head coach with Dallas before he obviously had his issues and was fired. Um, But I just, I just can't see them being a playoff team. Maybe they get in as like the seventh or eighth seed. Yeah. But I, I think that this is the beginning of the end for that era of Bruins hockey. And I think that this, and that's why I think Pasternak leaving makes more sense just from the fact that if he wants to win, I, I just don't see Boston being ultra competitive in the next couple of years. Yeah. I actually agree with that wholeheartedly hundred percent. Um, Honestly, I'm going to lump the next four teams together because these are all sure. the teams that missed the playoffs in the Atlantic. So you have the we have the Buffalo Sabres, the Detroit Red Wings, the Ottawa Centers, and the Montreal Canadiens. Out of those four teams, Neil, uh, you know they they all were among the the worst teams in the league. Although they some had uh, mediocre improvement. Which teams of those four do you think improve the most, and which, if any, make the playoffs in any capacity, whether that's a wild card or somehow yeah. sneaking into one of the top three slots in the Atlantic. Well, I think the two teams that stand out to me the most from that list, um, if I remember correctly, I think you mentioned Detroit as well um, in that list. I, I, I think the two teams that are definitely going to improve are Buffalo and Detroit um, from that list. I think mm-hmm. that, and, and here's a hot take. I'll give you a very hot take. I actually yeah. think the Buffalo Sabres are going to make the playoffs. I love it. Season. I, I think I, so too, but goaltending yeah, is that. a question mark. They did bring back Craig Anderson who, you know, they seem to really like there is reports that they are going to try to jump into the goaltending market as well. Try to lure somebody to come and play for them. Um, I would love, here's a really interesting thing. I would love to see Darcy Kemper go to Buffalo. I would actually love that. Cause I think he would, I think he would really, really thrive there. I think having a tandem of Darcy Kemper and Craig Anderson would be actually kind of a, a decent one. Um, Buffalo has a lot of room to do things. You could see their young core in, and I, Andrew, I'm sure you could agree with me. The second, like the second that Jack Geico was traded, <laughs> that team immediately started so playing better. better. That team was one of the more interesting and more fun teams to watch in the second half of last season. Yeah. And I think that they are, they're actually finally building something there that can be for long-term success. And I think next year is going to be that year. Cause we always have a team that surprises us that yeah. makes the playoffs. I think it's Buffalo. And then when you look at Detroit, here's the thing. I, I fully believe that Steve Eisenman is building the red wings the way he built Tampa Bay. It's the exact same way he's doing it. And I think that he is building them also for long-term success. That's a team that could sneak in as a playoff team or just miss out. But you look at it with Moritz Sider, Lucas Raymond, Dylan Larkin in the prime of his career, guys like Alex Nedeljkovic playing very, very well. I think that's a team that could really, really make some noise in the Eastern Conference. So I really like Buffalo and Detroit. I think two things. I agree with you on the Sabres. Uh, I think they should make Kyle Poso captain. He seemed to really do a good job. More Alex Tuck, but I, I get that point. Yeah, I, I only because I feel like he doesn't have too much longer left in the career, kind of like a Justin Williams way. You, like you could, you know, it's one of those things where you could put it on him, but know that it will luckily will be available in two seasons from now. You know what I mean? It's not not one of those things where you're going to be like, well, if we put on this guy and now we can't put it on uh, Alex Tuck or uh, um, what's his what's his face? He just scored 30 goals for them. The kid, he's tall. Uh, oh, uh, uh Tage Thompson. Tage Thompson. You know what I mean? So, uh, and obviously, uh, Steve Eiserman, you know, who, what could really help uh, Moritz Sider is a riding mm. shotgun with a Ryan McDonough. Just saying. Mm. So, so I, know, I did hear that they are, they are rumored to be interested in McDonough. So I would imagine that, you know, he clearly knows the player. All right. So now yeah. let's, let's get to the meat and the potatoes, the metropolitan division, which both of our, our teams of choice reside. Uh, we're going to go top to bottom here. The Carolina Hurricanes, are they better than last year or are they worse? I actually think they're going to be better, um, especially if you wow. have a fully healthy Freddie Anderson. That's the way that I look at it. I mean, you, well, you saw. So they won the Metro last year. Do you, so you think they're going to win the Metro again? I think that they will probably win the Metro again. Um, I think that they could make a run at maybe winning the President's Trophy because I think that they're that deep. I do think, though, if they lose Vincent Trocek, that's going to be a hole that they're going to struggle to fill. Um, they also could potentially lose Tony D'Angelo as well, which I'm really interested to see what type of market Tony D'Angelo has, not because of the player that he is, but because of all the, the, the stuff that has happened to him over the last couple yeah. of years. I'd just be interested to see what teams actually 
would look at. Um, but I think that when you look at the fact that Freddie Anderson and Auntie Ranta together won the Jennings Trophy and were really, really solid in that, and you look at the system that uh, Rob Brindamore you know, coaches with his team, I think it's the team that could really, really, really be dangerous. And I think that they're going to not make major moves this offseason. I think they're going to make moves that will try to complement the top six and kind of go from there. So I think they're going to do better than they did this year. And I think they're going to be one of the top three, four teams that is going to be favorites to win the Stanley Cup. You know, I think that's very wise. However, since this is my game, I'm going to add a new stipulation. For every team, you have to throw in a little hot take. So my hot take is that despite I think the Hurricanes do lose uh, Trocek and D'Angelo. However, I don't think it really affects them much. I still think they finished either first or second in the Metro. I'm going to say they have run into goaltending problems again in Freddie Anderson and Auntie Ronce's inability to stay healthy. And that it, it, it hurts them again. And then next year they have to figure something else out. So that's my hot take for the hurricane. Fair enough. Uh, Fair now we get the New York Rangers. Uh, are, are they, I'm, you know, I have James and I have our opinions on this and we'll, right. we'll talk about it, but I don't care about that. I'm more interested in you. Do you think they are better? will be better next year. Do you think they will be worse? And do they make the playoffs? The Rangers are just such an interesting thing because you know, they're, they're, uh, their analytical, you know, stats show that they really, really relied on Igor Shesterkin, and I really, I really advise the Rangers to not go down the same road that they did with Henry. Yeah, you and I both. <laughs> I really am praying, you know, like as much as you know, I'm saying it just as a fan of watching hockey. It's like you need to find more goal scoring. You have a lot of goal scoring already, but you need to somehow find it. And I know that they're interested in acquiring a guy like Pierre Luc Dubois or even a Mark Shifley. I have no idea how they're going to make that work. I have zero clue how that would work. But I think overall, I think overall, I think the Rangers will be about the same as they were this year. I think that they're going to finish top three in the Metropolitan Division. I think they're going to have over 100 points again. I think that the way Gerard Gallant's system is built, especially in the regular season, it really, really worked for this Rangers team. And I think now, and I, and I don't know if you would agree with me, Andrew, but I think now the window, considering what the Rangers did this year, I think the championship window has now opened for them. I think now it's about... Okay, it's no longer about retooling, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it. It's about now we have to go and compete to try to win a Stanley Cup. And I think that this is kind of that this is kind of that year to really, really start start to get going. So I think for me, when I look at the Rangers, they're a team that they're not going to be better than this year, but they're not going to be worse regular season wise. They will certainly make the playoffs. They will certainly be a team to be reckoned with once the playoffs start. Um, but I think they'll be about the same as they were this year. That's good. I like that. I'm gonna with. Uh refrain from holding my own thoughts because I'm going to save for when James is back. But I do, do you have any hot takes about what some, anything that happens with the Rangers next year? Just a gut feeling. Is it a yeah, player, yeah, I have a, a, a trade, a player breaks out, a player is bad. A player gets traded. I want to, yeah. I want to hear your thoughts. I, my hot take is Alexi Lafreniere will score at least 25 goals next season. I think that he is ready to take the next step. You saw what he did in the playoffs. You saw how he elevated his game. He fits Gerard Gallant's system well. I don't think he was a Gerard Gallant guy when Gallant got there, but I think Lafreniere was one of those young guys that really bought into what Gallant was trying to do, and it worked out well. You saw with the kid line with him, Filipito, Capo Caco. I think that that's kind of the way it is. So I think Lafreniere on a second, maybe third line is still going to end up being a really, really lethal goal scorer for, uh, for the Rangers. Yeah. My hot take is I think he scores 30 goals next year. Plus. Right, fair enough. There you go. We'll see if it happens. All right. We had mentioned this earlier, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. Uh, I know you already started to talk about it, but uh, I think I'm with you with what you said before. Uh, well, we, we've heard that they are trying to engage in contract talks with Malkin and Latang. Uh, will they be able to keep them both? Will they only keep one? Will let the other walk? So I guess right. my question to you is, do they resign Malk and Latang? Uh, do they let one, you know, and regardless of whether they do or not, do you think they're better or worse? And do you think they make the playoffs? So to answer the first question, I think that they will end up signing Latang. I don't think they'll sign Malkin. I think all signs you could see are pointing to Malkin. I think he wants to test the free agent market. You know, this is going to be the last time and really the first time that he's really a free agent. And I think he wants to see where it is. I think the writing is on the wall for Pittsburgh, knowing that they really, really don't have a lot of time left to really be ultra competitive in the Metro and certainly in the Eastern Conference 
I do think they're going to be worse, as we talked about. I don't think they end up making the playoffs. And my hot take for you, my friend, is it's going to yeah. be very surprising. I think this is Sidney Crosby's last year in the NHL. Whoa, that's a real hot take. Okay. I, I because what, and, and I say this you, because I think that you'll see you'll see Crosby will know that the time is the time is up. And I don't think Latang signs a massively long-term deal. Um, and I think that Crosby is gonna look at it and say, Well, I'm still playing at a high level. My my skills are not deteriorating. He has had a lot of injuries in his career, and you don't want to see a great player like him. Um, go out because of an injury or things like that. He's still a great player. He's not obviously he's not Sid the kid anymore. He's Sid the he's Sid the man or the old yeah. man. Um, yeah. But I think that it's going to we're going to get one of those like shocking things. I'm not saying that Crosby's going to announce <laughs> in the middle of the season. I think it might come to the end of the season and he might say that yeah I'm I'm, I'm probably going to move forward. And I think the good news about that, as much as Penguins fans will be sad, I think the good news about that is that will finally allow the Penguins to then say great. Now we can finally begin a rebuild. And I think yeah. that's kind of what some Penguins fans are yeah. kind of hoping for, you know, moving forward. Yeah. Well, if Caps Troll heard that, he's probably already got the Kleenex out. So, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Move, <laughs> move. Yeah. Don't, don't show that to Berlansky and Horowat, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll try to breeze through these next few uh, sure. just for, you know, for brevity's sake. Uh, Washington Capitals, uh, better or worse? And do they make the playoffs? Worse than they don't make the playoffs. I think that goaltending is still a massive question mark. They are looking to try to move one of Vanacek or Samsonov this offseason. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Backstrom, you can see that that age is really catching up yeah. to him. He's, he's, he's getting hurt. It's struggling. You know, Tom Wilson, how much longer does his style of play? Is it going to allow him to stay fully healthy? I think Ovechkin will still play at a high level. TJ Oshie is still playing at a very, very good level. Evgeny Kuznetsov as well. But I just don't see this team having enough depth, you know, yeah. to make the playoffs. So I think that they're going to end up not missing it by a lot, but I think they'll miss it by maybe a couple of points. Yeah. But I don't think they make the playoffs. So after taking a step back last season, the New York Islanders, are they mm. able to improve their, unfortunately, they have a lot of old guys locked up, uh, even if they'll have a new head coach, although it's, we'll, we'll see if Lane Lambert employs a much different style than Barry Trotz did. And we'll see if it improves, uh, clearly what was the relationship between the head coach and the younger players, right. like, like, uh, you know, Barzell and, and Wallstrom and uh, Kiefer Bellows and these type of players. So the New York Islanders, are they better or are they worse? And do they make the playoffs? I think they're better, but they still don't make the playoffs. That's the way I look yeah. at it. I think, look at look at last year. Last year was so unbelievably ridiculous in the Islanders. I mean, they fell flat on their face right from the start of the season. Yeah. And you saw that they improved as the year went on and obviously finished the season on somewhat of a high note. But I just look at that team. That is one of the oldest, if not the oldest team in the National Hockey League right now. And the Islanders are where the Devils were back in like 15, 16, where we have a really old roster with not a lot of youth, not a lot of, you know, you know, things to build around moving forward. And that's really hurting them. And I think that for yeah. Lula Morello, I think that, um, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult for him to maneuver things and try to go from there. I mean, even if they go out and maybe get, you know, sign a guy like Johnny Gaudreau, is that really going to, you know, push that team over the top? I love Ilya Sorokin. And in in all honesty, even though yeah. they don't make the playoffs, I think Sorokin wins the Vesna. I really well, do. I think they- that was my my hot take was going to be the Islanders make it, but not because they're any better. In fact, I think they're a little bit right. worse on the ice. But I think I think Sorokin has a, a plays out of his mind next year and oh, wins yeah. the Vesna. So that's my. He, I th- I'm glad we're in he's agreement. One of my favorite guys to watch in the NHL. This dude is so good. Yeah, and him and him and Shesterkin are best friends. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, did they play that, on the same that, team together? They did. Point? Yeah, a few teams uh, they did, especially Can you Russian, imagine having yeah, a Russian tandem team. like you're in Russia and you have a tandem of Sorokin and Shesterkin as your two uh, netminders? You don't have to worry about it for a long time. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, they're, they're a pretty interesting team. Uh, you know, John Davidson back at the helm. Uh, yeah, and they, there seems I to like be, it. they have, you know, they have definitely have done very well with some of the young players they've, you know, they've picked. Cole Sillinger was a big surprise for a lot of people last year. So do you think they're better? And do they make the playoffs? I think they will be better. Um, yeah. I think that they're actually going to be that team that just misses out on the playoffs. Yeah. I think like maybe by, by, a, by two or three points or maybe even a yeah. point. They're I think they're going to be a very big surprise because I actually really, really like the goaltending tandem that they have there with Corpus and Elvis Merzlikens. I don't really – I would personally like to see them be able to keep 
Um, you know, Corpusal, I know that's probably going to be a tough one, but he is an RFA, so that might make it a little bit easier for them to get a deal done with him. Merzlikens is an up-and-coming netminder in his own right that I think that he's just, that got, you know, the NHL is really going to see. And the biggest question mark, biggest hot take is this. I'll give you, I'll give you a hot take. I yeah. think that Patrick Laine will be traded at the deadline, even oh. with the fact that, the, that they're going to just miss out on playoffs. Because here's why. You would think by now that they would have gotten something done. And we've heard nothing. I mean, we've heard not a peep from Columbus about Patrick Laine and what he wants to do and things like that. And you saw how much he didn't enjoy the environment in uh, Winnipeg and they weren't winning very much. And he goes to Columbus where they're not, they're winning even less than what he was doing when he was in Winnipeg. So it's like he wants to be paid. Columbus does have the money to do so. But do they sign him to another bridge deal and he has to prove himself again? You know, what are these things? So I think that he ends up getting traded to a, a you know, you know, a contender or whatever, a playoff team. Um, and I think that after that, you'll see them make somewhat of a crazy run where they'll just miss out on the playoffs, despite the fact that they might be sellers at the deadline. But yeah. I think Columbus is a team with the with the pieces that they're they're acquiring and things like that is a team that could be very, very fun to watch this season. No, I, I, I think that's uh, that's just about right. They probably don't make it, but uh, I like that hot take about Line A. I think definitely think he would a team that needs goal scoring going into the playoffs. He would they would probably pl- pay a premium for a guy who can just kind of you know even if he's having an off night, he can just you know he's good for farting a goal in the in the net just at, at will right. just from a random wrist shot from the top of the circles. Uh, your New Jersey Devils, obviously we covered this a little bit already, but just in a nutshell, Neil, you think they're better and do they make the playoffs? I do believe that they will be better and I will, this is really hard for me to say because like it's, it's based off of what the devils do this season. But I think yeah, if I everything goes the way that we hope, I think they will make the playoffs um, and they'll just make it in. They're not going to like, you know, cakewalk into the top three of the Eastern conference yeah. of the metropolitan division. I think this is a team that ends up being a wild card, you know, eight seed type thing where they get in on the second to last day, like they did in 17, 18 and here will be my hot take, which involves two players. Number right. one, I think Jack Hughes finishes in the top three for the Hart Trophy because I think this is going to be that year where Ooh. he really, really explodes. And I believe that Nico Kiescher will be a top three finalist for the Selkie Trophy. Selkie. Um, and that's that, That's the way I look at it. I think both of these guys are ready to really, really take that major step from being good players into great players. And for Jack Hughes more particularly to be a superstar in this league. It, you know, it's it's funny because when teams finally come into their own like Tampa has and, and you know, St. Louis, it's like all of a sudden you see when that happens, you see that anointment process happens where much like the Rangers have finally figured it out. So they, you know, Fox wins the Vesna, excuse me, the Norris one year and then the next year Igor wins the Vesna and Galant's up for coach of the year. And it, it could very if, you know, if the devil's taking that step, it would definitely that would follow that, uh, you know, Jack and Nico are having those years and those they're in those conversations. So I like it very finally. And for me, I think probably the most fascinating team next year in the metropolitan division, the Philadelphia flyers finished (laughs) abysmally in last place in the Metro. So they've, uh, you know, enough's enough. They bring in the ultimate taskmaster and John Tortorella. The league is more fun for having him be there. He has to interact with gritty, uh, they probably going to have a very fascinating off season, but very simply, Neil, are they better next year? And do they make the playoffs? <laughs> I think they're going to be about the same and they won't make the playoffs because look, Andrew, you and I both know the amount of problems that the flyers have right now. Oh yeah. And I mean, they are numerous. <laughs> first and foremost, they have a measly $5 million in cap space and they want Johnny Gaudreau badly because obviously he grew up a Flyers fan and he's from, you know, South Jersey and which is a lot closer to the, to Philadelphia than it is, you know, let's say new, you know, the, where the New Jersey devils play. Um, but where is the direction? Like what, it, like if you're a Flyers fan, you must be asking yourself, where is this team going right now? Like, where are we trying to go? Are we trying to compete? Are we trying to rebuild? What are we doing? You would think that the answer would have been more clear when they got rid of, um, Claude Giroux at the deadline, but there's still so many question marks. Defense is like in shambles right now. You have Ryan Ellis, Rasmus Ristolainen, Keith Gandel. I mean, th- these are these are not guys that you know are blowaway defensemen. There's still the the book is still out on Carter Hart, and you have Martin Jones as your backup. 
Uh, you know, the offense has been stagnant at times. James Van Riemsdyk and Kevin Hayes are, quite frankly, your two top goal scorers um, right now. And neither one of those guys is really, you know, at the prime of their career right now, leaning a little bit more towards the, the twilight of their career. And I know that Seattle is very interested in, you know, maybe getting a James Van Riemsdyk to come to Seattle. But I feel like that would be like a backup plan for if they don't go, if they don't get you know, say a guy like Johnny Gajon Fried to who they're rumored to be going after. So I, I don't know where the Flyers can go from here. So I don't think they'll be worse, but I don't think they're going to be any better. And I still think they're going to finish towards the bottom of the Metro. Wow. Uh, I honestly, I agree with all that. And like I said before, I don't really care what they do just because having John Tortorella uh, in a, in a, market like Philly I just think it's going to be no matter what happens even if it's a, a train wreck which it might be it's going to be a lot of fun to watch but I mean, hey, you who, and I who knows but listen listen Tort we do have to put some respect on his name because we make obviously make fun of Torts a lot but he, d- he did have you know a Columbus Blue Jackets team that swept uh the you know now uh well formerly defending two-time Stanley Cup champions uh a few seasons ago so Neil, thank you for playing this rapid fire game with me. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for, you know, I've taken up too much of your time, so we're going to end it here. But I do have one more final question before we sign off, and I let you plug everything. The New Jersey Devils, they don't have really much of a choice. The the choice, do you think the choice is made for them for who they pick at second? Do they pick whoever at second overall? Do you think it's the Slavkowski and Shane Wright show? Uh, Who do you think is is the player there when they're picking? And do you think it's a surprise like a uh, uh, Logan Cooley? Who, who, do you, who do you think the at, I'll, I'll say it like this. When the dust settles on draft day, who did, who do you think the devils end up choosing second overall? I think second overall it, it's Slavkovsky because here's, here's why the, this as much as Slavkovsky is, is so, so, you know, beloved by everybody right now, considering what he did in the Olympics world championships and how much he's gone up the board since the off season really began. I just think that the Canadians are really, really going to end up going with Shane Wright because he is a guy that you could really build your franchise around. Not saying Slavkovsky isn't, but they need a center. They need a top, you know, center. And that's who Shane Wright is. And this is a team that is going to be rebuilding. Slavkovsky, I think, is a little bit more ready to jump into the NHL right away. And he's a goal-scoring winger, which is something the Devils very much need. And that is why if the Devils get Slavkovsky and let's say they don't get one of the top-scoring free agent, you know, wingers, at least we have Slavkovsky that we can play as well. And we have other guys that we could go after at cheaper deals and things like that. I think Slavkovsky, throughout all of the rumors, throughout all of the fact that Bob McKenzie hasn't been wrong in a decade with regards to predicting who goes first overall, all that stuff, I do think that Slavkovsky will end up being there. But if he's not, I don't think any Devils fan is going to be heartbroken to draft Shane Wright number two overall. I think the Devils' strategy is going to be right now, pick the best player available. And we know, you and I both know this, Andrew, everybody's draft board is different everybody's draft board is different and how they evaluate. If Shane Wright is the second best player on the board or first player, first top player on the board for the Devils and Shane Wright is there at number two, the Devils are going to take Shane Wright, regardless of how anyone feels about uh, Simone Nemec or Logan Cooley or guys like that, they're going to take that. And I don't see them trading down either because what's the point of that? You're not getting... You're not getting a star player in that right. You might as well just take the best player on the board. I think the Devils will be happy with either. I think everything you're hearing about the the Canadians are going to wait till the Devils call them and maybe move up to number one, I think is completely false. And I think that the Devils are just going to decide, let's, let's see, let's just allow Montreal to do whatever they want to do. And then we'll just go and we'll just take whoever's after that, like the Flyers did in 2017 with uh, whether it was Nico Heischer or Nolan Patrick or an even earlier example involving both of our teams when the devils took Jack Hughes and the Rangers just took the next player available, next best player available in Capo Caco. So I think it's going to be one of those things. So, but I do believe that Slavkovsky full through and through will end up being uh, the devil's pick at number two. You heard it here, folks. You're our Slavkovsky future New Jersey devil. Neil, thank you so much for jumping on today. I really appreciate it. Uh, the off season is long longer than we probably both would hope, but uh, it'd be nice to circle back again, you know, once the, the dust has settled here and teams have made their moves for the summer. So we'll, we'll sure to have you on again and vice versa. So if, uh, 
for some reason, Rangers fans or just fans of this podcast in general <laughs> want to follow you. And if, if you follow Neil, you have to be nice to him. He's a friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> where where can they find you on social media? Plug plug what you got to plug. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, Andy, thank you so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I always love talking hockey. And uh, oh, it's, it's even more fun when I get to talk to our, our Hudson River rival and we have good conversations. Uh, you can follow me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E. N-V-P-S-H-O-W, so the N-V-P show on Twitter. Uh, my Instagram is at N-V-P-Q-B-11, so that's my Instagram. You can follow the Devil State of Mind podcast, just like, you know, here with this podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts, Devil's State of Mind, new episodes every Monday and Thursday. You know, make sure to give not only this podcast, but my podcast as well, five-star rating on Apple, Spotify, wherever. Um, you can follow our podcast, Twitter at devil state. You can follow us on Instagram at devil state of mind. And also don't forget to like us on Facebook, devil state of mind podcast. And that is where you can find us for devil state of mind podcast and follow me for all of your sports takes and everything like that. But again, thank you so much, Andy, for having me on, man. This was a lot of fun. Oh, it's my pleasure. And just that outro proof, which our listeners already know that uh, other podcasts are way more professional than we are. But that's all right. I think that's part of our job. Neil, thank you so much. Uh, I hope you enjoy your 4th of July. Uh, eat a, you know, put all the toppings on all the hot dogs. Enjoy the fireworks. Uh, and yeah, we'll thanks for coming on, man. Uh, we'll catch you around next time. All right. No problem, man. We'll definitely come on again very soon. Oh, and you can follow us at Broadway Boys Pod on Twitter. New episodes every, uh, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, excuse me, Monday, Thursday. I'm, I'm out of it. So yada, yada. Enjoy the fourth, everybody. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod. And please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.